Amen. Guys, as Shannon was just singing that part there at the end that the Holy Spirit put on her heart, I need you, oh, I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. That, that is the cry of our hearts. I, I don't know about you, but I can feel that in my spirit as we were singing that. It's like, God, we need you. I don't know what you're facing in your life right now, but I could, I could feel the heart cry this morning. God, we need you. And listen, great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. You don't have to ask God twice to be faithful to you. He already is. And when you humble yourself to say, God, I need you in my life. God, I'm done with me in my life. I need you in my life. Like God is a good father with outstretched hands who's ready to pick you up and be faithful to you in whatever you're facing. Amen? Let's receive it. Believe it, receive it. This morning, guys, we're wrapping up our series in the book of Philippians called Better Together. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, you can get a head start as I just give a little context. So in this series, Better Together, we've been reading a letter that God wrote through Paul to a church in Philippi, and, and he talks a lot in this letter about how to be a community, like how, how to know one another, how to be there for one another, how to talk about things like sin, how to, how to come around and do great things for God. And this is what we're talking about today. We're going we're gonna to wrap up our discussion from the book of Philippians the same way that Paul wraps up his letter in Philippians. And I'm going to say some things that are going to step on our toes. But listen, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Get mad at the Bible. It is the Bible's fault, uh, what we're talking about today, uh, because God said it and we want to hear it. Who remembers last week? We talked about stress. We talked about how we can be better together because we are all stressed out, right? And one of the illustrations that I gave was the top three ways that, or the top three issues that make us the most stressed, stressed out. And right at the top of it is financial, right? Like we're worried. Like when somebody comes up to you in a conversation and they, and they talk to you about income, uh, you start thinking about what you're making. You start thinking about the commitments you've made. You start thinking about bills that you have to pay. And for most people, when money comes up, it's a stressful feeling, right? There's, there's a chosen few in the world, you know what I mean, who just don't care, right? My wife thinks that's me. Every time I go to Walmart, I don't even look at the prices. She's like, baby doll, you need to go to Aldi. You need to go to Aldi. Aldi's a great place. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> but most of us are worried about our finances. And, um, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, what we don't understand sometimes is that we, we get upset about things like finances because we, we think of things that we want to do. We think of experiences that we want to have. We think of provision that we want to be able to provide for our spouses and our kids and things like that, and it's, and it's a discouraging thing. But do you know that finances is also a barrier in the church? The church has the same burden. Let me tell you what one of my hopes and dreams for Four Points Church is. That one day we have a generous enough budget that we don't ever have to say no to someone who comes to us looking for help. 
We never have to say no when someone needs us. We never have to say no to an opportunity where we can have an impact in our community. But churches struggle, man. Do you know that at Four Points Church, we pay over $12,000 a month just to be in this building? This is one of the reasons we're going hard after the promise, guys, because we want to invest that $12,000 a month in something that belongs to us instead of something that belongs to somebody else. But ministry has a cost. You know, and while we're a community and communities of churches and communities of believers have a a heart and a desire to serve others and a heart and a desire um, to meet needs, more churches than not are having to say no more and more often to things that we can do for the kingdom. Let me give you a little inside view into church staff, what it looks like to work at a church, okay? I've served at churches that are church plants and have very, very little, and I've been on staff at big churches that have multi-million dollar budgets. But here's what's true. In every one of those churches, finances becomes a barrier to ministry. Here's something that's true, guys. We look around us sometimes and we see like old, big old churches, right? That have a lot of money. They've got a lot of people in those churches who've lived a long time and they've got a lot of money to give and these churches have a lot of resources. But I wanna, I wanna liken that kind of church to a battleship this morning, okay? Here's what battleships can do. Battleships are huge. Battleships have landing pads for helicopters. Aircraft carriers have, you know, landing pads for jet planes. You can shoot guns off those things. You can send soldiers off those things. And you can fly planes off of those ships. But here's something else that's true about a battleship. It turns very, very slow. So there are churches in America that have a lot of resources, but by the time they turn themselves to be effective for the gospel, the opportunity has been missed. Because too many times churches just want to keep doing the same stuff. And a lot of the resources are tied up there. So then you have younger churches like Four Points Church, right? We've been around for seven years. Or or Mitch Williams Church, The Fold, out in Greenville. Brand new church. Here's what's true about us. Here's what's true about new churches is we're like speedboats. All right? If you haven't driven a speedboat before, and I haven't, I've ridden in some nice ones, but you can turn those things on a dime. Right? You can zip, 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 zip. Like you can, you can get that boat where you want it to go pretty fast. But here's the problem. Newer churches don't have the resources. Here's the luxury we have. Four Points Church, we can look out into the Greer and, and, and Woodruff and Duncan community, and we can see a need, and we can decide to start meeting that need tomorrow. We don't have to pull a committee together and have a vote to do most of that. We can just do it. But the resources aren't there to do all the things that we want to do, all the ways that we want to help. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives us a way forward. So let me give you a little context here. The apostle Paul, right? We know Paul as an apostle. Do you know what an apostle is? A church planter. Okay? Paul was a church planter. Paul went out into the world with the gospel message, being supported by other people. He went out into the world and he started churches. He'd go into a community. He would would preach the gospel. People would come to know Jesus. He would raise up elders and deacons in those churches. And when that church was able to stand, Paul would pack up and he would move to a new place. 
And with the resources given to him by the previous place, he would start another church. And then when that church was able to stand, he would go to another place and he would start another church. Paul was a church planter like Mark or like Lance or like Mitch. And he was being supported. And what we know is that Paul was able to do that because of the churches that were in his community who gave financially in order for him to do that. And Paul also had a group of men and women. This is one of the fascinating things. Sometimes in churches, we overlook the role of women, not at Four Points Church, right? There's not a difference. But God used godly women and men who actually traveled with Paul and they were, they, they were benefactors. They, they, they had means and they followed Paul around and they helped supply needs, right? And Jesus was the same way. Do you know the son of God had to carry money around to buy stuff? You'd think Jesus just snap his fingers and make bread. The devil tempted him to do that. He refused. You know, he had to carry around a purse. I'm not talking Michael Kors. Jesus was a man's man. <laughs> but he had to carry money around with him to buy stuff. He had to send the disciples into town with money so they could buy stuff. And Jesus was also, he had a, he had a group of men and a, and a group of women who followed him around and they supported the son of God's ministry. This is such an interesting thing to think about. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But there's the context. Let's read from Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Paul says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, you know, Paul was traveling around planting churches, doing ministry, and, you know, he's getting out his phone, and he was, you know, sending Instagram posts like, you know, today this many people came to know the Lord, or he was, you know, texting out, hey, please pray, guys, we're facing this trial, and everybody in Philippi was texting back, praying for you, or, or praying hands, right? Like, they, they, were, they were dialed in, in their mind, in their heart, but Paul says, look, now you have an opportunity to do more. Okay, I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate the fact that you tell people that you, fought, that you support Paul. I appreciate the fact that you are in the community telling people that you go to Four Points. But Paul said you didn't really have opportunity to show it or to prove it. Verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. It's not wrong to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know, we don't often think about the fact that sometimes Paul was lacking in ministry support to the extent that Paul was hungry. The Apostle Paul. Verse 13, I can do all this, though, through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. In other words, everyone but the Philippians was just sending prayer hands, right? Sending prayer hands is great, by the way. It's great. I love those. I send those. <laughs> for even when I was in Thessalonica... You sent me aid more than once when I was in need. 
Not that I desire your gifts. In other words, I'm, 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 I'm living for God, man. I'm not begging you. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus. Don't say that twice. The gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So here's what Paul's saying. He's like, look, what's really good about how you Philippians have supported my ministry, the ministry God has called me to, is not so much that my needs are met, but that God is going to bless you for doing it. You know, we've all heard it said it's better to give than to receive. Boy, that's hard. Sometimes I just want to receive, right? We all do. But in the sense of like giving in obedience to what God has asked, we're always blessed for doing that. It's a fragrant offering to God. God sees that and he's pleased with it. He likes it. So now that we've gone through the passage, there's three truths that I want us to pull out of this passage that I think can communicate well to us at four points. The first one is this. Real buy-in leads to real action. Real buy-in leads to real action. So Paul is writing this letter. He's, he's sharing a lot of gratitude for how the Philippians have come around him. Um, you know, now that they know what his needs were, they came around him and supported him. The, the, the Philippians gave because they believed in the ministry God had called Paul to. But here's a really cool thing about it is that because they partnered with Paul, it wasn't just Paul's ministry. It wasn't just Paul's obedience. When the Philippians gave to the ministry Paul was doing, they became partners in that ministry with Paul. Meaning that everything that God was using Paul to do, they had a piece of, they had ownership in. As the people in Philippi learned to have buy-in with their church, the church community learned to have more buy-in in Paul's church planting ministry. And here's one important point that Paul wants us to see this morning. Buy-in is tested when sacrifice is required. Buy-in is tested when sacrifice is required. Something the Bible is very clear about, guys, is that we are called to buy-in to the lives of people. We're called to buy into ministry. We're, we're called to buy into the things that God is accomplishing in the world. We're called to buy into our marriages. We're called to buy into our friendships. We're called to buy in with our kids, you know? I get an amen. Listen, when your kid says, I want to play in the band, who's buying that tuba? Them or you? <laughs> right? You are, right? Or mellophone or drum set, whatever it is. You know, Junior wants to play soccer. Who's going to sign him up for the soccer league? hey yo. Right? Us. And that's because we have buy-in in the lives of our kids. We can tell our spouses we love them, but we can't really prove it until it's a sacrifice. This is how we know people who love us. When we see them make sacrifices for us. This is how your spouse is going to know you love them when maybe you stop doing something they hate even though you feel like you've got full right to it, right? Maybe just to sacrifice for them, right? Or maybe to spend more time with your kids, 
right? You feel like you're getting ahead in your career and that's a good thing. God wants us to do all things with excellence. But at the same time, we show we love our children by being there for them. Or our friendships. What does it mean to be a friend? Right? Dr. Wilton always said, who are your 2 a.m. friends? Right? This is how you know who your friends are, right? When, you're, when, you're, when the crap is hitting the fan in your life, that person, you can be like, oh my gosh, I need some help right now. And that person will get out of bed. They will talk with you, pray with you, meet you for coffee, whatever. It's buy-in. So we've been talking for the last five weeks about what it means to be better together. But being better together means we have buy-in to the vision and mission of our Four Points Church community, too. The most obvious ways that you and I show our buy-in at our church and in our church community is, is these two ways. These are the two sacrifices that we are often called to give, to give financially and to serve. Right? Now listen, if you're just coming to Four Points and you're not serving or giving, we still like you a lot, right? We want you here, but you mean more to us than filling a seat on a Sunday morning. We're not trying to do ministry alone. We're trying to do ministry together. Do you know that your role in church is just as important as mine? There's no difference because we're, we're, we're doing work together. Do you know that in most churches, this might shock you, in most churches, almost every church, 20% of the congregation provides for 80% of the ministry. And guys, we're a little bit further than that, but not by much. 20% of the church provides for 80% of the ministry. And do you know what that means? Here's the, here's the sad, we're going to get happy in the spirit, but, but here's the sad part. Guys, that means that, that, om, that most of the resources of the American church are being spent on Christians. You know, as an apologist, I get to, to, to go answer questions and talk about things with college students. And sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, Phil, what about people who have never heard? You know what my first response is? If Christians were as involved as God has called us to be in the body of Christ, there wouldn't be a single person who hasn't heard. If the church was obedient, everyone would have heard within two centuries of Jesus ascending to heaven. The reason the world is lost, guys, is our fault. It is our fault. We don't serve. We don't give. We go to church as consumers sometimes. Right? We, we, we go out to eat. I went out to eat last night. Where did, where did I go, Austin? Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> and there was some good food. <laughs> and I consumed it. I got a refill on my French onion soup. I, I consumed it. Right? I, go to, I go shopping at stores that, that look good to me, and I, and I feel good you know, being there. I, I buy cars you know, that I feel like are comfortable, that I enjoy driving. In our culture, we are professional consumers. 
And the problem is we begin to feel that way about church. It's like, well, I like the way that this church looks. I like the way that this church sounds. I like that talking monkey up on the stage who preaches. I'm just going to come and sit. I'm, I'm going to consume what the church has to offer to me. Now listen, guys, what I'm not doing is speaking condemnation or judgment because in every way that you fall short, I fall short. But guys, this is an area that God has given us responsibility. Do you know what God will never do? Just drop off money at the door of the church. Let me explain why. How many of you have ever prayed and asked God to relieve you of the temptation to sin? Ever asked God to take away temptation to sin? I need to see all hands now because this is you, unless you just like sin. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so did God answer that prayer? You were never tempted. Raise your hand if you prayed that and you were never tempted to sin again. Well, what in the world is matter with God? Does he not answer prayer? What's his problem? I'll tell you what the problem is. It's not him, it's us. Because God is not after your behavior, he's after your heart. If God took away the temptation to sin, you and I would never have to learn what it meant to choose him. God is not going to take away the temptation in every, every area of your life to sin because he wants you to feel the pain of sinful choices and the joy of choosing Jesus. He's training our hearts to be more like his heart. You know, it's just as important to God as you becoming a Christian, you learning to be more like him. Just as important. That's why he, you don't get saved and become a puppet tomorrow. He doesn't want puppets. He wants hearts. And relationship in the same way. Some of us think that, that, that money should show up at the door of the church like an Amazon drone just dropped it off. You know, Amazon drones, they just like fly over the house and they, you know, I guess they, they lower it there and then you get a text, you know, that says you got a package and then you can go to the door and you can pick it up. We think a dove ought to fly in with a little backpack on. <laughs> That's got, you know, a roll of $100 bills in the back and it just lands here and, you know, Pastor Austin just goes over there and unzips it and pulls it out and cha-ching, like this is everything we need for this week. And then the dove just flutters away again. You know, God will never do that. For the same reason, guys, because ministry is supposed to cost us something. God has called us to reach the world and he's called us to sacrifice for it because buy-in requires sacrifice. We can say we love Jesus, but if we don't do the stuff, we don't. In the same way that if I just tell my wife I love her, but I don't make sacrifices, my love is not proven. Can you imagine how spoiled we'd be if God just dropped off a check every week? We'd be like Richie Rich. We'd be, we'd be like that kid riding around in daddy's limo with an ascot on, just like, hey, uh, when do I get my next Slurpee? Right? But this is not how God makes disciples. You may be living the ascot life right now, but God wants more. He wants us to be like Jesus. 
When we buy in with our church by giving and serving, we are choosing to be partners in ministry, not just consumers of ministry. I'm going to say that again. When we buy in with our church by giving and serving, we're choosing to be partners in ministry, not just consumers of ministry. Listen to Paul's words. He wrote another letter to a church in Corinth. This is his second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says this, Remember this, whoever sows or gives sparingly will also reap or receive sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or or, or doubting or unsure or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. Guys, this is one of the reasons we don't pass an offering bucket in here. We're not looking for you to feel guilty and put money in it. We're not looking for you to be like, oh, they put in a 20, maybe I need to put in a 20. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the point because when we give, it should be out of joy and expectation and readiness. Paul says, be ready. Give joyfully. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, and all means all, guys, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he, this is God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Listen, guys, when we tithe, here's the spiritual word tithe. <laughs> okay, this is what, if you've gone to church, you've heard this word tithe. But here's what it's, it means, guys. Here's what God actually asks of us as Christians to give 10% of everything we make to ministry. Now, some of you have like an oh crap look on your face, right? Like 10%. I mean, depending upon what you make, that just seems like an incredible amount. You're thinking, hey man, I thought I just tipped God. You know, like the service was good. Shannon sang good. There's a 10. Right? We give our waitress 20%. But God says, look, give 10% of everything you have to the church. And he gives you 90% to live, guys. But listen, the more we grow spiritually, the more we realize that really everything we have belongs to God. Like everything in here is his. You know, he he wants to bless me. But, But he wants me to give. And many of you this morning are bought in. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for walking in obedience. Thank you for hearing the spirit of God. You know, thank you for giving. Thank you for making it possible for us to have an impact as a church. Thank you for making it possible that our church staff can serve long hours at church and not sacrifice our families for it. You know, it grieves my heart, guys. I'm not, I'm not against pastors being in bivocational ministry where you're working, but how in the world do you do it? How do you prepare? How do you counsel? 
how do you meet with people? Guys, more times than not, guys, pastors have grown up with bitter children who are like, where was dad? Well, he was doing the work of God. Oh my God, what does that communicate about God? I'm saying all kinds of things I'm not supposed to say right now. Here's another important point Paul is making. When you and I live generously, God trusts us with more to be generous with. When we live generously, God trusts us with more to be generous with. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we needed a couple new in-ear packs. It's the things that everyone on the worship team has, you know, on their belt, you know, you like turn it on and, and it's got the earpieces so they can hear what's going on. We have to have that and we needed a couple of more. And it's not that we couldn't pull from our church budget to try to pay for those, but Austin and I were just chatting. We're like, I wonder if there's a more creative way to do this so that we can use more of that for ministry. So I contacted a church in town that we're friends with and, and they're a pretty large church, you know. I thought, hey, maybe they've got some sitting around. So I called them up and said, hey, do you guys have a couple of in-ear packs just sitting around that we could borrow? 20 minutes later, he texts us back and he says, he says, have Austin send me what you want and we'll buy it. We'll take care of it. A couple days later, it was in the mail. Right? Like that church stood no, nothing to gain by doing that for us. But it was the kingdom mindset. And consequently, when God blesses us, you know what we're doing? We're looking to see who we can bless. We're trying to increase our partnership with Mitch in Greenville. This is one of those areas where I want to be able to say yes more than I get to say yes right now. But we receive and we bless because we want to be faithful with what we've received. And here's a difficult truth, guys. It could be your and my hesitation to obey God in giving that is keeping us from being blessed in our finances in life. You know what God will let us do sometimes? Have life our way. We say, God, I'm, I'll tip you. <laughs> I'll pray. You know, but when it comes to my business, I'm not going to give money out of my business. I need that for business. God, I'm not going to give out of my finances. I've got these financial concerns. And God says, if you want it your way, you can have it your way. Do you ever feel like you have holes in your pockets? <laughs> we do, right? You thought you were doing pretty good. You're putting money in your pocket. And the next thing you know, like, where did it go? Where did it, maybe it's your business. You know, this week you had really good business and you're like, yeah, man, we're finally where we need to be. And the next week it drops back down again. And you're like, dang. Guys, if you're not being faithful and obedient to give, God is not going to bless your business. You can pray till the cows come home. He won't do it. You can't say, God, I want it my way, not your way, but please bless me. It doesn't work like that. What you find when you're faithful to give and faithful to serve is that God replenishes you. He gives you more. God is good. And listen, I want to be real with you for a second. Can I be real? Corey and I know what it's like to be poor. We know what it's like to live in those difficult circumstances where God, tithing may hurt us. It may hurt us this week. We don't have it. You know, when I was in graduate school, guys, we lived in her parents' basement and we had a joint income of $20,000 a year. 
for two years with our two sons. But we gave. And you know what we learned? That sometimes God loosens our grip so that he can fill our hands. Sometimes God puts us in that position to trust because he wants to bless us. And listen, I would do it again. I'd do it tomorrow if that's what God wanted me to do. We all know what it feels like to have holes in our pockets. This is a funny story. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to call anybody out. But one of my children has been getting on me about a new cell phone, okay? Been getting on me about a new, new cell phone. And here's the thing, guys. My kids don't have new phones, and I don't let them have just any app they want to have. My kids are too young to have social media. There's just too much junk on it, okay? I'm not judging your parenting. I'm just talking about mine, okay? Well, this child looked at me one day, and he goes, well, I'm going to save up my money. I'm going to buy my own iPhone 10, and then I'll put whatever apps I want on it. And I was just like, I looked at him like, really? Something very important you're missing here. I'm your father, right? I'm your father. You know who's really in charge of whether you get a new iPhone? Even if you save your money, this guy. You know who's still going to be in charge of what apps you have on your phone even after you buy one? This guy. Like, he was missing something, right? And God is the same way. When we say, God, my way, my way, my way, I will make this happen for myself. God says, really? Okay. Let's see if you can make that happen for yourself. Because you may have all the money in the world and still not have peace of mind. You don't know the future, but God knows the future. But here's a difference. In the life of my children... If I, if I see them wanting to be obedient, wanting to be wise, choosing not to be selfish, my intention towards them changes from like, hey, this little guy needs guidance to I want to bless them. And sometimes when we're holding on tight, God says, you know what, they have some things they still need to learn. And when we release it and we say, God, I trust you. I just want to do what you ask me to do. God, God says, I want to bless them. I want to I bless them with an abundance. I want them to have so much that they can freely be generous. But there's a lesson sometimes we have to learn before God is going to do that in our lives. And here's the bottom line. Not obeying God is actually counterproductive to your dreams and goals. It's always better to obey. Test God, guys. I mean, it sounds redundant for me to say that we've done it and we've seen God move. I'm a jackweed. I make all kinds of bad decisions. But God has been faithful to me. I was reading on Insta earlier today, and my buddy Matthew Compton posted this quote. Matthew's here. Where are you, Matthew? He posted this quote. If you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy, but if, like Jesus, you realize that you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will always find time to pray. Ultimately, guys, it's about keeping our eyes on Jesus. In every area of our lives, 
being fully surrendered to him. Listen, guys, as your pastor, I believe in the vision and mission of Four Points Church. Corey and I will always tithe. We will always give. We will always sacrifice because we believe it's what God has called us to, number one. And number two, guys, I am excited about what God is doing here. God is doing great things here. And we get to partner in it together. We all get to be a part of it. It's not about one person. It's not about a group of people. It's not about 20% of the people. Guys, just imagine if every one of us served, if every one of us gave, we would have more than enough to make a huge impact for the kingdom of God. If we would just let go and let God, there's no measure to what we could do. There's no measure to what he could do through us. We would have literally unlimited resource because we would be depending upon God. And I'm believing in great things, guys. I'm not looking at other churches. I'm not looking to see what they've done right or what they've done wrong. That's not who we are. God has called us to greater things. We just have to be in it together. We have to buy in together. At Four Points Church, listen to me. We don't want to be famous. We want to be effective. We don't want to be famous. We want to be effective. It doesn't matter to me if people are like Four Points Church and Four Points Church this or that. I don't need to be famous. Most of the time, I don't like myself. I don't expect anyone to like me. But God wants to do great things. He wants to do greater things. He wants us to be effective for the kingdom of God. And when you and I serve and give together, we become more effective at reaching the lost, the least, and the lonely in our community. That's how it happens. So that's truth number one. Everyone say, quit talking, Phil. Truth number two, sacrifice is better. I have a big question mark when I read this passage. How was it that Paul was able to be like, I am just as content when I have nothing and when I have a lot. I'm just as content when I am hungry and when I am full. Like, how did Paul have that attitude? I don't often feel that way. How did he do it? Paul was ready to have plenty of sacrifice at the drop of a hat, man. He would just do it because he was called, because he got it. Because he understood. Because he understood that Jesus is the treasure. Because he understood that the kingdom work is the priority in life. He understood that. How many CEOs do you think would trade just a little bit of success for peace of mind? Forbes magazine says most business executives spend tens of thousands of dollars every year to go on retreats to try to regather themselves. Because they're not at peace. How much would people pay for a guarantee to be anxious for nothing? Can you imagine an infomercial? Three installments of 1995 and you will be anxious no more, right? Like every, every American would be calling that 800 number, right? We would pay whatever it costs. You know why? That's why we take vacations. That's why we buy things we like. That's why we do things. We're trying to have peace of mind. We're trying to have less anxiety. And it's, it's not a bad thing. This, this backside likes the beach. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. 
But what I'm saying is we get our priorities out of whack. And we would pay anything to be anxious for nothing, but that's something we get for free. I mean, what do we have to hold on tight to when we know that God has promised us to be anxious for nothing? It's priceless. All that you want, you already have. This this is for you, you uh, middle schoolers in particular. According to CBS News, many esports teams have an on-staff psychologist to help those guys and girls keep their minds because it's so stressful even to be a professional gamer. Everyone's trying to get somewhere. Everybody's trying to get what we have for free, guys. We just have to receive it. I'm going to have a Shannon moment right now. Hashtag believe it, receive it. (laughs) Believe it, receive it. Amen, Sister Shannon. We just have to surrender. But let me clarify what surrender means because you know what we think when we think of surrender? Like a white flag in the wind. You win. I lose. God, you're stronger than me, so I guess I just have to obey. I surrender. Let me give you another illustration. Who likes to go to theme parks? Hey, oh, okay. Now, who has ever been to a theme park in the middle of the summer when it feels like it's like 300 degrees outside? And some theme parks have these fans, these ginormous fans, and they have like these glorious cold water sprayers that are like misting into the fan. The fan just like, like it just, it just blows on you. Have you ever been to one of those things? Man, this is what surrender to God feels like. It's like walking up to that fan when it's 150 degrees outside and just standing in front of it, just receiving it, just receiving a promise. Receiving freedom from fear. Receiving freedom from anxiety and stress. Just being abandoned to Jesus because being abandoned to Jesus is such a good thing. It's such a good thing. When Jesus becomes everything to us, there's nothing we can't overcome and there's nothing we can't accomplish together. Four Points Church, guys, is all about being better together. We have an equal part to play in the great things God wants to do through us. And the last truth is this. You're enough because Jesus is enough. You're enough because Jesus is enough. You know, I've gone through, like you, I've gone through some tough seasons in my life, guys. Seasons where, like, I just didn't know what I was going to do tomorrow. You know, and having my wife, Corey, by my side, saying, I believe in you, I stand behind you, sometimes that was just enough to give me enough strength to take one more step in the right direction. Right? Sometimes it's your friends, right? Your friends come around you and they speak encouragement and they stand behind you and it gives you just enough to step one more step in the right direction. You know, even in a church, you know, all of us being on board for the same vision, being bought in, gives the leaders in our church the courage and the boldness to take one more step in the right direction.
Because even in ministry, it's hard not to look back. It's hard not to say, it's hard not to say, you know what, maybe I'm not enough. But when we're rallied together, we are enough because Jesus is enough when we're bought in together. Because Jesus is with you, you have what it takes. With Jesus, we can have a life of fullness. The surrender, the kind of surrender we're talking about provides us with joy and real fulfillment. We've been called, God has given us dreams and visions, but we need each other to make it happen. God's not gonna make it happen without you. He's not gonna make it happen without me. He doesn't want to. He wants us to learn what it means to sacrifice. He wants us to learn what it means to have a heart like his heart. And so maybe today the invitation is this. Because I'm not speaking any condemnation, guys. I'm not the judge. I'm as much a fool as you are. It's not about the past. It's about the future. It's not about have you been faithful to give yesterday. It's about are you going to be faithful to give today? Right? God's not looking at your past saying, I'm going to punish you for all the times that you did. That's not who God is. But he's calling us to something better. And so maybe today God is saying to you, you know what? You've been at four points. You've been a blessing. You're always a blessing there. It's time to buy in. It's time to be a part of what God is doing there. It's time to have some ownership of what God is doing there. We don't have membership here, guys. We don't have membership. And that's on purpose. We just have people who are bought in. That's what we have. We have a record where we keep financials. We have to do that for tax reasons. We have have a list of all the giving that happens in our church. You know who never looks at that? This guy. I don't care and I don't want to know. I don't want to know if you give a lot. I don't want to know if you give a little. I don't want to know if you haven't given at all. Because my job as a pastor is to see you without that. So I don't look. I don't know. But God wants you to be obedient. And maybe today is the day you say, you know what? Four Points doesn't have membership, but I'm bought in. I'm on the team. We're going to do great things together. Maybe God is speaking to you right now because he's put a vision and a dream in your heart. Maybe he's called you to something. Maybe he's called you to ministry. Maybe he's called you to do something in the community. And and, and life has just crushed that out of you. And maybe God just wants you to open your heart again and say, God, reignite the fire. Help me to trust you enough that you will accomplish what you've called me to do. Guys, God wants to do great things, and I'm so excited to do great things with you. Let's pray. Father, you have been so faithful to us in every single way. Lord, so often we overlook all that you do. We overlook that you don't give your heart to us in pieces. You've given us all of your love and we receive it. And Father, we give you all of our love. God, use us to accomplish great things 
in your name and for your fame. In Jesus' name, amen.